All right, Assad, uh, welcome to the Fox Den. It's great to have you on, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited. Of course, for listeners out there, your Twitter handle is at Amazon FBA guy. So let's jump right in and talk about what that means. What does that handle mean, the abbreviation there? So Amazon FBA is, FBA means fulfillment by Amazon. Okay, so yeah. That basically means they handle all of your logistics, shipping, returns, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's, the, it's a business model that's like Amazon was the first to popularize it. A lot of other companies did it beforehand, but not the way that Amazon did it before you would just find a fulfillment center, you know, send your products to them. If you were running a, a, a business, Amazon took that and brought it in-house. Um, which is what the vast majority of sellers do now with Amazon. Right. Um, so yeah, that's basically like when you buy something, it's prime, it's prime because Amazon, um, you know, somebody sent all that inventory in and Amazon fulfills it. Um, right. so yeah, that's, that's my, that's my specialty within the Amazon umbrella. There's a lot of people that have like, they focus on like Amazon affiliates and stuff like that. I don't do any of that. Mine's more so like building a brand, selling products on Amazon. And let, tell us more about that, if comfortable. You've spent a lot of time doing that. Tell us how you got into that world. Yeah, of course. So when I got to, I transferred to um, Cal Poly Pomona uh, in 2013. And I, my plan originally was to do architecture, but their program was really intense and crazy. So I ended up just switching to uh, business and marketing. I was doing international business. And I was in an entrepreneurship club. So while I was studying um, importing and exporting, one of my friends actually pointed out these guys called uh, Startup Pros. He was like, why don't you learn? He's like, they teach all this stuff. They teach how to import and all this kind of stuff. Why don't you look into that? So I kind of fell down that rabbit hole, ended up buying their course, and um, which was all about Amazon FBA and private labeling. So I learned most of my stuff from that. And then I started building brands. I tested, uh, I think like three or four products that failed. And then eventually I found one that was successful. And then my last year in college, I paid for everything um, with the, with like the earnings I got from, uh, from that, from the, from my Amazon account. And right. Yeah. And then when I graduated um, summer, I graduated June, 2016. Um, a couple months later, I got a job at a company called ring startup at yeah. the time, the video doorbell company. Yeah. Yep. So ask about that. Yeah. They, and they didn't have, um, they were they had like six people doing the amazon stuff before i got there because nobody nobody knew amazon at the time everybody was very if you knew amazon you were doing it yourself um so i took i got that job i was the first person in the company to actually have that position and um i got there i did that for about almost two years um from 2016 like mid 2016 to about mid 2018 um amazon actually acquired ring as a company and after that, it, like, it was kind of uncertain whether or not I would, um, I would stay and ended up leaving. I joined another startup, did the same thing for them. And then, uh, from there, I've just kind of, I left that startup last November. And from after that, I've just been doing my own thing. Nice, man. What did you like most about working with ring? Oh, <laughs> um, there wasn't, there wasn't that much to like, if I'm being totally honest. Um, it was kind of a crazy environment. It was a startup that was growing really, really fast, but it was growing fast in a very, uh, I don't know how to say it. It wasn't, it wasn't growing fast in the right way. There was a lot of issues and a lot of problems. You just feel kind of overwhelming and too quick, just exponentially. Yeah. But in, in the way that like leadership wasn't addressing, um, they weren't really addressing a lot of problems. Most of the people that most, most, when I started, most of the people that worked there were on my age, very young, like mid, late twenties, early thirties. Right. Right. Um, 
and the environment itself was like, you know, like you hear those horror stories about Steve Jobs and how he treated people like shit. Same thing yes. with, uh, with the CEO there. So yeah. I, the only, I say like the only fun part was I learned a lot about Amazon. I guess that was a really good thing. I learned even more about Amazon there. And uh, a lot of, I worked with a lot of great people. Um, okay. So that was good. That was fun. But yeah, there was, there was some, there was some points where it was really, it was pretty difficult. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Uh, all right. So what, this is kind of the Fox Den question here. I like to ask people who are three people you would meet living or dead. They have to have been real though, not literature characters or anything. Um, or like even historical religious characters count too. What would, who would you pick if you could meet three people living or dead? Any combination of those two as well. Okay. Uh, any three people. Yep. That have existed in. From any okay. time period. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, I think I'd probably start with Bruce Lee. Um, there you go. Yeah, Bruce Lee's been Bruce Lee's been somebody that I've looked up to and studied quite a bit since I was a kid. Um, so he'd definitely nice. be up there. Love yeah. that. Yeah, and then I think uh, Michelangelo. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, pain. yeah. yeah. There's been a lot there. Michelangelo, it's funny because Michelangelo, I feel like kind of gets overlooked a little bit, um, you know, in terms of like Fathers of the Renaissance, at least from, at least from, you know, where I'm sitting, what I've seen, but I think that there is a lot out to him and, and just more so, um, yeah, he's somebody that I definitely want to meet. And then third one's kind of tough. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Third one's kind of. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about the biggest mental health hurdles you can see in the Western world or what you think are yeah. some issues you see. Because you tweet pretty prolifically on that issue, on mindset, on yeah. living your values, things like that. You reach with a lot of people too. Um, by the way, I am going to be interviewing matt stevens you tweet his stuff too matt C. stevens the muscle guy the workout dude so it's yeah. a small world of twitter but i think that speakers like that you you have a fondness for so what do you think are kind of some issues facing uh the world now yeah um i just, i thought third person i just thought it would be a uh dead mouse joel zimmerman oh i saw him at red rocks last friday oh yeah how was that in colorado it was good man yeah. Um, it was, it was awesome. It was cold, but I came bundled up and I had some hand warmers and foot warmers. His cube version three is, uh, worth the hype. I will yeah, say. Yeah. I, I, a hell of a show. Yeah. Um, I saw him, uh, he, I saw him at his LA show at the place. Nice. Yeah. And I actually saw him two years ago at Red Rocks. That was the first, that was the only show I've seen at Red Rocks. And it was amazing. That venue. Yeah. I live out here in Colorado, so I uh, I get a little spoiled with the Red Rock stuff. When it gets cold, you just have to really bundle up, especially over the face, because the wind can get pretty chilled. Yeah. But other than that, it, it's pretty doable. So that was great. What makes you? What What did you want to meet him? What was the reason for that? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I so he's he's been. I love I love his behavior. Like he doesn't he doesn't conform. Right. In terms of music and just pop culture and everything too, he's very much himself. Absolutely. Um, 
and I love that about him. And he's very, and like so much so that he trolls people, he'll troll people, he'll have fun with it, but it's cause he, you know, he sees the stupidity in, um, in, in sheep culture and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think beyond that, what's in, like, what, what really draws me to him is as, as funny and as, tro- as much of a troll as he is, his music isn't, you could like you can tell he's someone who feels emotion very deeply because of his music. You don't I don't yes. think you come out, I don't think you produce tracks like that if you're like a very vapid, shallow person. So um and just the way I mean just the way his music's hit me over the years at different points in my life, it's had a very profound impact. So Yeah. That's one of, yeah. And, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, apparently he played a show at Decadence in in Colorado a few years ago and just did a full on like trance set didn't even have any of his stuff. He just kind of went with what he felt like doing. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't there, but I heard about that. So that's cool. Uh, and that's a really good segue. Cause I wanted to ask you about your own fondness for music. You said you'd like to create uh, a really good beat. One of your recent tweets was about that. So do you dabble in music creation? Yeah. More so recently than before. Music's always been something that I wanted to do, but I grew up in a very strict Muslim household. Um, and my dad, my dad was actually kind of misled in a lot of ways. He, he thought a lot of things weren't allowed that were actually allowed. So music was something that um, the drive for music and the passion for music for music kind of got beaten out of me uh, growing up. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. But over the last, like since college, most of my, most of my friends, pretty much all my friends now are DJs and producers and musicians. Huh. Um, so I've started to get back into it now and a lot of them are helping me and teaching me how to do it. So it's like, nice. it's like maybe even like probably within the last month or so that I've really like gotten serious about it and actually started learning and producing tracks. Like I'm still completely new to all of it. I don't really, I don't know much about it, but it's become a, it's be, like, it's, it's becoming a habit slowly. So I'm getting more and more into it. So I definitely want to, uh, that's like, that's something I could do without getting paid for it without, you know, it's something I just want to do. I just want to produce tracks and DJ and learn how to do all that kind of stuff. Cause it's been very, um, it's always been on my mind, even if I wasn't pursuing it. It's funny to hear you say that because that's a good segue again into something I wanted to chat with you about. So one of your tweets said that, um, let's see, I want to quote it. Everything I do is a hobby. I just do some things well enough to get paid for them. That's pretty good. That's kind of a variation on, you know, do something you love and you won't work a day. Obviously that's an oversimplification, but so go, is that some kind of, is that kind of a view you ascribe to is like do things you love and can see yourself sustainably doing? Yeah, I think that, um, and it's funny cause it's more so stuff in the last like year or two. Okay. It got me to that point, um, where I got paid for some of this, where I started to get paid for what I was doing. Um, but I don't, I don't know when this was. It was something I kind of realized a couple of years ago, but I think it's been happening my whole life. I don't ever do anything I don't want to do. Okay. Good boundary. Yeah. Which was like, which causes a lot of friction. uh, And it's put me in some bad positions in the past. Like, I think I've almost gotten fired from every job I've ever had. Okay. Cause I, I'll get in, I'll work really hard. I'll be enjoying it. But after a while, everything normalizes and I get bored. And um, if I'm not, finding something new or doing something new, then I might just start to kind of slack off. And I used to slack off. I don't anymore. Uh, but it was like, I just didn't want to be there anymore. And it'd be like, I'd be planning my exit or figuring something else out. <laughs> right. Okay. Makes sense. 
Yeah, so here with that tweet, it's like, yeah, I think it's very important to, so many people are doing things they don't want to do. They're doing right. things that they, like, they feel obligated to do or they've bought into this, this, uh, this idea that I have to do this to put food on the table even if I don't want to do it. And that's just right. it's like, it's not, especially like, I don't think that's ever been true. Maybe, maybe like maybe a couple hundred years ago. Right, right. now, um, I'd say in the last 20 to 30 years, it, it's, it hasn't been true. And it's especially not true now. There's so many different ways to make money. Right. Um, if you just don't buy into the conventional bullshit. Right. Uh, so I think that right. that's one thing a lot of people need to understand. And that's my thing too. It's like why I, I just, I, I think every time you, every time you say yes or maybe when you want to say, every time you say maybe when you want to say no, I think a part of your soul dies. That's how I feel. So now huh. it's like, I don't want to do something. That's a mouthful. I like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's really important to have boundaries. I work with a lot of clients who kind of experience that death by a thousand cuts of just seeding and giving away, conceding all of their autonomy by taking on more stuff. And it's really easy to say maybe or yes to something here and there, but before you know it, that's added up. And I like to add that you can subvert that by every time you say yes to something you want to do or no to something you don't, then you build up in the opposite way, that resilience and hardiness and the ability to, to develop yourself versus giving in to others. But everything is done in these smaller steps. And that's such a big theme on Twitter now is that idea of discipline and structure versus just willpower because willpower is fleeting. But when you start making positive activities at habits, then it really goes a lot further. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's part of, a lot of people don't understand that. I think it's a big reason why people are so unhappy nowadays too. Yeah, I agree with, I agree completely. I mean, everything is in such a bite-sized model. Like just watch a video here. Well, before you know it, you've added up to like watching 10 videos and an hour's gone. I mean, but that can be that kind of micro uh, reinforcement and rewarding micro goals can go the other way again and be very contribute to overall productivity. So I like that you share a lot of tweets about that, like be careful where you're putting your time, um, things of that nature. Uh, let your values guide you. Stuff you don't hear as much because a lot of the stuff out there is kind of Machiavellian. It's great for individual goals but if you don't have any values or any overarching things that are important to you beyond that everything is kind of just drudgery yeah yeah definitely what got you into those kind of tweets in the self-help sphere because it's pretty it's it's pretty awesome to see that thanks man yeah, uh, of course i think so self-help for me probably dates back to me being like 14 or 15 years old which is kind of nuts to think about now sure uh, so and the, so it started with my 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 aunt gave my brother um a set of like tony robbins cassettes i know him yeah of course yeah uh like years 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 ago i think she gave it to him when we like oh 2003 was yeah it's probably oh three uh i didn't really like i didn't pay attention to it or anything like that until a couple years later and it started because I was, I, I found out much later in my life, probably around the time I was 19 or 20, but there was a lot of violence and uh, just negative energy in the house when I was a baby. Like, really? Okay. The first, the first like year and a half of my life. Um, 
And so, and when I was growing up, I was always like, I was the kid that was like, I was afraid of scary movies. I was afraid of going to like going into a dark room, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't even do it. It wasn't like I was scared. I just couldn't do it. I was always seen as a, like everyone thought I was shy. Um, what went mis horribly misdiagnosed was this, this very bad social anxiety that I had. So mm. I, I was kind of battling all these things. I didn't know what they were. And so I kind of stumbled upon those tapes and I would listen to those and it helped a little bit over time. I kind of just kept little by little by little doing more and reading more and Tony Robbins opened up to um, Les Brown and Les Giblin and Napoleon Hill and I don't know how many other people like my whole library is pretty much all self-help personal development stuff so it it's been around it's been something that I've been doing for a long time and the re and like me getting it onto uh, talking about it on Twitter Last year when I found this corner of Twitter, a lot of it was like e-com and like all these guys talking about dropshipping and whatever else. I realized that I knew most, I knew a lot of what they were talking about. Uh, I knew a lot more than most of the guys teaching this stuff. So I started sharing my experience on the Amazon side. And um, I think early this year, maybe like January or February, uh, I had a, I had like a, like a heart to heart with somebody else on Twitter. And he was like, look, like put the, like the Amazon stuff's great, but most of your, like what he was like, if, well, he just kind of made me think about what I would want my ultimate goal to be. And a lot of it was just helping people out. Um, and so from there, I kind of started to shift way more into personal development and helping kind of like sharing my stories and showing, showing, showing people that it is definitely possible to get out of a bad situation, to get out of, um, you know, like suicidal tendencies, depression, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. Right. Absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. It, it's interesting to see um, interesting to see how there's such an overlap in the entrepreneurial Twitter sphere with with mindset. And really, arguably, there has to be because if you're going to tell people to do these things that require a lot of moving parts, they're going to ask you, well, wow, how do you how do you make time to do all that? And then it naturally opens up that kind of conversation. Um, some people are a little more accessible and polite about it um, than than others. And so one thing is you tend to be very kind and um, accessible and share things like actionable tips and not like, well, you just need to you just need to focus. It's like, well, okay, so how do you do that? Well, you stay true to your values, you uh, make goals pretty attainable, things like that. So that's that's pretty awesome that you're able to do that. Um, your identity drives your behavior was one of the quotes I liked uh, from you. That's pretty cool. What is something that you take from your upbringing? I mean, you said you can get as in-depth or stay as surface level as you want on this, but growing up in the, the very strict household where you were told not to, to pursue music, right? The cultural, religious sort of elements there. How do you find that shape here? What do you take from that? Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. It's a big question, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, pretty big one. Um, I don't. I think. I think one. I think what what I take from from. From that was I try to I try to stay very open when I learn something new or when I'm experiencing something now um, right because I 
like like what I found out was that so much of what my my dad, my parents in general, I guess, what they thought was Islam, what they raised us on, what like their behavior, uh, a lot of it, like they, they didn't know any better, you know? So it's like, they thought what they were doing was right, but it, it wasn't. And I always kind of just believed and did what my dad said. So once I found out that all that was like, a lot of it was bullshit. I actually like, I, I, I left Islam for a while. I went back to it later and you know, I'm, I'm Muslim now and I, I studied it on my own and found out that, hey, it's much different. And so as a result of that, I, I, I'm much more, I'm getting, I, I still have to get better at it, but I'm more careful to look at all sides of a situation, of an ideology, of whatever, like something that I'm thought, like whatever I'm taught, whatever I'm talking about, um, whatever I'm exposed to, because I've, I've, I've seen how dangerous it is to not do your own research. Due diligence is so important. Um, so I think that's something from my upbringing that I've realized that, you know, you really do need to be, you know, just because somebody says something, even if they're in a position of authority, you really have to stop and be like, well, let me see what's actually like, you know what I mean? Like what's actually going on. Let me look at yeah, critical it. thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I think is lacking. I know I said it was lacking a lot. My parents is lacking a lot and a lot of like in the Muslim community that I grew up in. And I think just in general, a lot of people lack it too, where they just don't really stop and, and, and think about, um, they don't really stop and think deeper than what they're told. If you tell people something and you're convincing in how you tell them, they're going to believe you and it can be total bullshit. Uh, so I think it's very important for, for, it's important for me and hopefully it's, I mean, it's important for everybody. I don't know if everybody else will do it, but I'm always very careful to, um, you know, look deeper into something. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask about the the tweet. You haven't had a suicidal thought in seven years. That was pretty popular. And then Brometheus jumped in who, you know, he's another therapist who is pretty prolific on, um, on Twitter here. He and I have, have chatted. Um, but talk to me about that. Talk to us about that. Where did that come from? What has been your kind of journey? What's helped with um, any kind of depressive thoughts? Yeah, I think so. When I wrote that, I was, I just had this random thought to a very strange time in my life where um, I was just kind of thinking that it was, it was this weird moment where I was like, I haven't, I haven't had like the negative thoughts that I used to have. I haven't had these weird, strange feelings. Uh, and most importantly, like suicidal thoughts. Like there's been times that I've felt down over the years where I haven't felt good about myself but i realized that in terms of like being suicidal and actually thinking it or planning it out or trying to go and do it right seven years um at least from what i can remember that was the last time i think i actively wanted to you know off myself and right it was yeah and it was strange because i think the first time i had suicidal thoughts was when i was nine and wow yeah so it was uh it was quite a while ago. And I think that it lasted all up until I was about 21. Um, and that realization was really important to me because it was back then it was so bad. Uh, the depression was so bad that I really thought about killing myself. I really wanted to go and kill myself. I, you know, there was one or two times where I actually tried to do it. Um, and I realized now that even though things get bad and I'm stressed and I'm upset and i you know, whatever's going on, I haven't actually thought like, maybe maybe i'd be better off just killing myself uh right 
which was a huge deal to me because I think that's that like my I've raised my baseline overall to a point where where that's not even an option. You know, I that's such a that's such an authentic series of statements there, and I think so many people will relate relate to them and. So that's that's why I wanted to talk about it. It's a very sensitive issue in our culture. And so many people are feeling like that. The isolation, which breeds depressive thoughts, and depressive thoughts breed the urge to isolate. It's such a cyclical feedback loop. Yeah. And when you have that task, when you adopt a task that you care for, get a job you enjoy, and you make other connections and get along with people in your sphere, and you, you meet people who have a passion, and they pull you out of it, you you pull them out. It's amazing to see that. So. I think it's really going to influence a lot of people positively to see the kind of posts from you like that, that where you are now, which is so awesome is not where you started. So they can start somewhere and end up somewhere better too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always, I mean, it's, it's always good that people, like there was a couple people that um, asked in the DMS and just on the tweet, like, well, how did you do it or what? And so I was like, I'm actually going to go on and, and write a thread um, just telling people what I did and hopefully it helps them out. Cause I think it's very, just a tweet like that, you like when you see the responses on it, when it starts to get attention, you see how many people, um, I'd say like 50% were people who were just being congratulative and were uh-huh. happy for me. And, and the other 50% were people who were, who could relate to it, but not right. in the same way. A lot of them were like, well, it's only been a couple months or I, I can't even imagine, you know, and some people were like, there was a couple people who were like, I, I just, one person was like, I, I go to sleep every night hoping I just don't wake up in the morning. Uh. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's wild to think that. And it's like, okay, well, so there's a lot of people who need that. Um, they need some help. They need some guidance. So it's cool to, you know, uh, I hope, I hope that I can do something to help them out with, you know, whatever I'm sharing, whatever I'm talking about, I hope that it does help them because I think it's, and it's it just something like that shows that it's clearly, uh, it's clearly needed. Yeah. You've got your finger on the pulse there. And I, anybody who's at that level where they go to sleep and don't want to wake up, I really urge you to check out resources in the area, check out community mental health centers where they'll take your insurance, even if it's public insurance like Medicaid or, or even give a sliding scale or indigent, which means not charging at all if people can't afford it and can give proof of income. I mean, and there's so much out there now mental health wise. The good news is people our age are really getting into the field. I mean, that's how I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm in the field because I love psychology and it's, it's important to have people out there who really love the field and are not just going to say, Oh, well, have you tried not, not being depressed, right? There's an, uh, there's a generation of, of therapists and helpers out there who are, are pretty close to our age and are not going to give the same old tired, pull yourself up by the bootstraps message. So that's yeah. another thing that people really, I think can benefit from is realizing that not all mental health is created equal. And that's a, that's an understatement. So one thing I really wanted to ask you about too, is this awesome quote that you posted. Uh, I need to find it. Imagine yourself dead. You've lived your life now. Take uh, you've lived your life. Now take what's left and live it properly. That was a screen grab. What did, where did that come from? You shared that it was, it was like a cool quote and it had like the number 54 beside it. Yeah, I think, I think the author of that, I think that's an Epictetus quote. Oh yeah, probably. That makes complete sense. Um, I don't, I don't, I, it's a quote that I've seen multiple times before. I just saw it somewhere and I, I think I had a picture saved, so I decided to post it. Cool. 
What yeah. Are, well, sorry, go ahead. No, you, you go ahead. What are your thoughts on Epictetus and the Stoicism, et cetera, et cetera? I, I'm not as, I, I don't think I've, I haven't studied it as intensively as I'd like. I'm reading um, uh, The Obstacle is the Way right now. Yeah, by Ryan Holiday, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I mean, so far, everything I've come across in terms of Stoicism, I really like. It's very, it's very, it's very pra uh, pragmatic and yes. approach and very simple. And, um, you know, I'm like it, that, that tweet resonated with me at the time even more so when I posted it because I was, it always like, I've, I've had a lot of moments in my life where I was like, man, I wish I could go back and change this or if I only knew this, you know, what I, if I knew then what I know now. And it's, it's, and this, this tweet kind of, or the, this quote kind of takes that and presents it in a different way where it's like, um, you, you know, it's like, now you know better. So moving forward, take all that. But it does it in a way where it's like, it like gives you a hard reset where it's like, you've lived your life, you're dead. And now you're going to come back as this other person who knows better. And now you're going to live like that. And, and instead of worrying about the past and everything, it's like, you just shed everything and leave it. Like that's the old life. That's whatever. And I'm coming back as this new person. Um, better, like more aware, more empathetic, more, more like just more, like more discipline, you know, much stronger and all that. And you go from there. And it was, for me, it was kind of like, okay, if that, if that was the case and I'm coming back like, like new and improved and everything can only get better from here. So it's like relationships, I've, it's just, that's how it feels to me. It's like, if I messed up a relationship or someone's not around or whatever, I, instead of sitting around and like beating myself up over it, I'm just going to live better and go from here. And if right. that comes back around, um, that's all, that's all good, well and good. And if not, it's like, whatever is coming is going to get better because I'm living my life um, with all the lessons that I've learned. Right. It's like, a, as you said, a hard reset, it lets you move past that. Um, what we would call the fallacy of sunk, the, the sunk cost fallacy. So believing that you have to stay in something if you put a lot of time in it. It's like, no, that's over. You're dead. Come back. Here's what you have. Right. Start over. Overcome whatever it is you think you have to go do or what, what you have to keep doing. No, you can totally reset your patterns and way of thinking. So that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Talk to us about, let's see, Techno Grandpa. Who is that? You mentioned that figure a lot in your tweets. And I was just curious who that is. <laughs> um that's uh that's one of my good friends uh dylan cool yeah yeah so he's uh he's a friend of mine he's actually he's it's funny because he's pretty liberal overall and we get into it a little bit on twitter but um okay <laughs> just uh, somebody you riff with you know just josh he's he's somebody i riff with a lot like it's funny because i there's been a one or, there's been a couple of times where like he gets into it with my followers uh and and those oh. kind of, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's funny when I see like, it's happened a couple of times where like my friends in real life have gotten into it, my followers online and I'm just, it's kind of weird to see, but, um, no, I mean, Dylan's a great friend of mine. Um, we, we, we kick it all the time. It's all, all the fun when we see each other and it's just kind of funny to kind of see like those two worlds collide. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. He's, uh, I think he's probably saved me twice when we've been in the desert when I've just been puking my brains off and partying too hard. So, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, uh, psilocybin, N-dimethyltryptamine, lysergic acid, diethylamide. Obviously, we're talking about LSD and psilocybin mushrooms, right? Yeah. You tweeted some of those words out. 
that was hilarious. It was like a, a list of um, uh, substances there. So here in Colorado, psilocybin mushrooms have been decriminalized. That was on the ballot and it went through. So it'll be interesting to see what medical professionals do with sort of guided trips or what they do with that because there's some research showing that it helps to reset depression. And I mean, people can go check that out if they want. I'm not for or against like informed consumers can decide what they want, but what are your thoughts on that stuff? <laughs> so, so psilocybin, I need to probably revisit um, Sure. the two times that I've done it. I've always, I've, I've done way too much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's probably the problem is it was probably over a therapeutic dose. That's always the thing is it's the dosage and the purity of the substance that usually determines whether it's clinical and helpful or like indulgent and takes you too far. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think most people, what a normal dosage is you people, people do about an eighth which is like okay. an eighth of a gram. Sure. I think that, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's eighth of a gram. So that's what most people do. And so I had a, I had a bunch of shrooms that I picked up from my friends. And I, just, I think I had like two ounces worth sitting in my car. Yeah. We're out in the desert partying. And I'm just being, I was like, first time I'd done it, I was being really impatient. My friends were like, wait, like it takes about an hour to like kick in. And I'm just being really, I was like a little drunk already and I was being really impatient. I just kept munching on them. And I think I must've had like six, seven, eight grams. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Um, which was a terrible, <laughs> terrible idea. But, and I, and I, and I tripped so, so hard. Uh, I locked myself in my car and I tried to sleep it off. I couldn't sleep it off. I was having visuals and everything like that. It was just crazy. And eventually it came out of it. It was cool, but um, I haven't touched it in two years, but everyone's told me that like, if you do the right amount, you'll feel you know, you can actually have a really good trip and you're out in nature and you feel very um, close and very attached to it. So that's something that I definitely need to do. Um, the second one, N-dimethyltryptamine uh, uh, is uh, DMT. Yes. So oh, yes. I've done, I've done DMT once. Uh, it was a very, very interesting experience, far beyond anything I thought was, beyond anything I could comprehend. Um, and I actually wrote a tweet. Somebody asked me about it, and I was, I was, I like wrote out a little bit of the tweet. Um, that had a very, that had, that was like, there was a pivot in my life after that trip where I would vibe very differently from people to the point where now, after that trip, I don't question it. If I don't feel right around somebody, if the energy doesn't feel right, if I'm not comfortable or whatever it is, I don't, I don't force it. Before I used to think, well, I'm being judgmental. I should, you know, give them a chance. Now I just, I just don't. Now it's that if, uh, if it doesn't feel right, I, you know, I'm out of there. I don't bother entertaining the person. I don't talk to them. I don't, you know, I'm not going to be an asshole, but I'm just very, very aware of how, of people's energy, um, uh, as a result of that trip, which is really crazy. So, um, right. Yeah. And then the last one, LSD is, uh, I mean, acid's probably my favorite psychedelic, probably my favorite drug. Okay tell people to do I mean I don't tell anyone to do anything that's their choice um but for me it's it's like I've I've had I've had one or two really really bad experiences with it um that ended up like in the experience in, in like in and of itself and it was happening was was horrifying it was like it was it was some one of the worst things I've ever been through but the result of what came after uh was very positive 
it was very positive. It was very like, you know, I learned a lot about myself. And after that, it's like, if I'm, if when I trip now, it basically solved, I solve all the, like whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm facing, if I, if I, if I really like chill myself out and I don't have anything pending and I do like, and I I take some acid, I usually by the end of it have solved all the problems and know exactly what to do to address all the concerns that, you know, I'm facing um, in my life. So yeah, I'm a big fan of, um psychedelics i think they can all i think you know they can be used to to treat a lot of different um mental health issues uh we just need you know we just just need the government to kind of catch up yeah yeah yeah, i hear what you're saying a lot of professionals who are highly decorated and are not what you would really consider to be psychonauts you know people who really dabble and stuff uh, would agree with you um I'm thinking MDMA, so commonly known as Molly, uh, is extremely helpful, again, the right amount and under supervision for PTSD. Veterans have been receiving it on an experimental level, uh, and it helps to, like for experiments, and it helps to reduce flashbacks. So that is spectacular spectacularly applicable. I mean, if we have something like that, they can take away flashbacks without being on tranquilizers for years. That's just, I mean, it's like everything that people take prescription wise is a drug. So if it's derived from something people have used as a club drug, but it's helpful and it's something you don't have to stay on permanently. Many people would consider that a lot better than being on. Yeah. Opioids Um, or something. Yeah. I know that, uh ketamine was recently approved in yeah and <laughs> i think i don't know i don't know the details but it was recently approved to to, to help treat yep. certain conditions and um yeah i think it's i think it's great because it's so uh i think there's so many other ways to fight a lot of the stuff that that people go through and and, and especially you know i can't even imagine what it's like to have P, like ptsd from war uh, but there's definitely safer and healthier options than what a lot of people are doing. Um, yes. A lot of, what a lot of vets go through and what they have to, how they try to treat it. Agreed. Yeah. Self-medication too is absolutely terrible. Alcohol and, and over-reliance on that. People often end up doing something. So oftentimes, sadly, it's not the right thing if they're not really informed on what to do with trauma. So um, let's see. I'm a big fan of your progress over perfection tweet because people get caught up in trying to do things just right to the point that they don't get started. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were you going to say? No, it's, it's funny. Cause that's a lot of my tweets are actually good. They're, they're, they're meant as reminders for myself. Um, lots of the best tweets really are. Yeah. And so that one was, uh, uh, that came from a place of a, a lot of frustration. I more so because so I think in, in July or July and August, I uh, early July I bought a camera and um, I I was going to get on YouTube and start making regular videos on Amazon. And I think I uploaded two. One was just an intro video, and the other one was uh, like an actual product research video. The plan was to do one or two a week. Um, and I got so caught up in the perfectionism of it all and how long it's going to take to grow and what the plan and all that kind of stuff that I just, 
I haven't uploaded, I haven't done anything with YouTube since. It's been, what, three right. months before. Right. And so it was this very frustrating moment for me, and I just remembered that quote. So I was like, let me just throw it out there um, for myself first, and, um, and also just, like, stuff I have written down. But, yeah, no, it's something that's very important. It's, like, just, just the most important thing is just to get it done. Um, early on, all, like, with anything that you're doing, any type of creative work, the most important thing is just, in the beginning, it's just sheer volume. Yes. And, yeah. And as you, and as you produce and produce and produce, you slowly get, slowly start to get better. And then, and that shows up in your work. And then depending on what your goal is overall, eventually you get, you will have more time to perfect your work. Um, and perfection just being a degree to which you feel like you're as close as you can possibly get to, uh, exhibiting your skill level. Um, and then just putting it out there because actual perfection in, in the traditional sense of the word just it doesn't exist. Right. Right. In this world. And I think it's important for people to understand that. I think, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, so let's get into your Amazon masterclass. Cause I really want to focus on that. That's something that you're offering and has gotten some really awesome feedback. Yeah, so I created the Amazon Masterclass last year. Um, I launched it in January of this year, and it's been it's it's been doing okay overall. There's been a lot of customers. There's been there's been um, I think there's about thirty or forty students right now, and I just I didn't know how much like I didn't know how well a lot of them were doing. I have a I have a support group on Facebook, uh, and it's just it's been very kind of quiet um as of late which was uh which was kind of bothersome and i i my you know my focus hadn't been on it as much but it's something that i've always i i you know it's in the back of my head i knew i had to start promoting it again and all that kind of stuff and putting more work into it and um yeah i recently had one student who uh just got all his product uploaded it and he got his first sale and then i had another student who i think signed up in like april or may uh just hit me up uh, via email because he thought I was moving away from Amazon. Right. Uh, I said I was going to change my name. <laughs> I had no idea how much he had done. And he just, you know, he just sends me a screenshot. He's in 140 grand in sales in I think less than, less than six months, which is insane. Um, so it's a good testimonial. That's, yeah. that's a, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's like moving to a couple other, I might, you know, I'm probably going to start working with him directly uh, and help him scale even further. But, yeah, that was nuts. That was, I mean, that was like, I needed a testimonial for a long time and I, now I have one. Beautiful. That's great. So for listeners out there, how can they get a hold of that course and uh, buy that? Uh, so they can go to uh, theamzmasterclass.com. Um, if they click the link on my Twitter bio, there's a, it'll open up a link tree and, and, and the, the, the class link is in there. I think this, I was running a promo for 50% off actually, because one of my students did so well. Um, right. I don't know if it's still live or not by the time this goes up, but the code is big wins. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, if, if uh, somebody sees this and they want to try the code, it might still be active. Okay. There you go. Listeners. Um, who, uh, who is uh, Chidstagram who rocks overalls? Who is that? That was on one of your lessons. Yeah, that was uh, that was my friend Greg. Nice. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't know if it was a Halloween thing, but we had our desert party last weekend, and he was wearing overalls, and he looked. He kind of looked like Wario. That's who he was dressed like. That's who. He was. 
That's great. Yeah, it was just funny. It was, um, it was just, it was funny because I just, I don't know what it was. It was like the more, the more, um, he's, 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 a, he's like, he's a little bit, um, he's a little heavy set. Uh, and he kind of reminds me of my little brother. So it was like the more, the less sober I was, the more I kind of just kept messing with him and poking fun at it. So it was, I just kept the joke going. Right. <laughs> yeah. He hates oh, it. Wow. So I'm probably going to keep it going. That's great. Oh, man. Yeah, you, you've shared some valuable lessons there. Um, staying on, uh, let's see. It, it's really big of you to talk about wanting to overcome being sad, petty, angry, childish. I'm using your adjectives here. Uh, and not ruin moments. I mean, that's a, that's a big one to share. Yeah, thank you. That was... That was that was a pretty big realization from this weekend. Um, um, and just, just a couple other things that have happened this year. It was I think it was a lesson that I've learned multiple times and something I've been through multiple times. But this was the first time I was ready to kind of face it um, and really understand that I was like, you know, this needs to stop. There's a lot of t- there's so many there's been so many times and so many situations where I was like, you know what? Um, I wanted somebody, I felt like I wanted everyone else was having fun and I'm down in the dumps and I wanted someone to come pay attention or say something. Uh, and I was getting more resentful because everybody else was having a good time. And maybe, maybe I was like, whatever I was upset about was justified or whatever was going on. But the thing is like the way I was dealing with it wasn't the right way to deal with it. I either go and tell, like if I, if, if it's, if it's the right time and place to go talk to the person that did you wrong or whatever, then it's like, okay, go do that. Um, but if not, it's like, are you really going to let this moment or like, are you really going to let something that happened ruin what's going on right now? Um, right. Don't let it ruin the rest of the momentum or the rest of the night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was just, it was just this idea that it's like, yeah, you know, really like one, I think it's really important to let things go. Um, it's really important to let things go. And I think that if you show the world, if you treat yourself really well, then the universe responds uh, the same way. You won't get treated bad. You might once in a while, but for the most part, there's some, you know, like you see some people and you're like, well, this person never goes, like nobody ever treats them bad. It's like, yeah, it's probably because of how they respond to the world and how they behave um, and how well they take care of themselves. So it's like, that's very important. And beyond that, a lot of it is just like letting things go and not taking things personal. And, and lastly, it's like when something does go wrong, um, one, don't let it, don't let it extend to take up the entire time right. you know, where, you, where you're supposed to be enjoying yourself. Um, and if you can go, go and address it, you know, just go handle it. hundred percent. Yeah. I see that happen a lot. It's like, don't let the other person win. It's giving them free rent in your mind. Those little cliches there. And it, they're really accurate because it, it, you don't have to view it as an adversarial kind of thing of, oh, somebody's going to get, they're, they're staying in my mind. You can view it as, I just don't want to give that my attention. And it's better for me if I enjoy this time and I can sort whatever it was that upset me out later. That's a big thing. Be able to state change from negative to positive. And it takes practice. It's not going to happen for people immediately, but if you start practicing with small things, just like lifting weights or anything like that with fitness, you start to change your attitude and mind when you're over little stressors. It gets bigger and bigger where even things that would bother you like at a party if somebody's really rude, you'll be surprised 
how quickly you can focus on positive stuff once you start slowly. So that's awesome. Yeah, 100%. Well, this has been an awesome interview. As we wrap it up here, tell listeners uh, when, where, where they can find you and what you're working on, what you're excited for. Obviously, the master class, um, anything like that, man. For sure, yeah. So on Twitter, um, my uh, my username is at Amazon FBA guy. Yep. It might be changing in the near future, but if it does, I'm gonna have like a dummy account with that username forwarding to my main account. There you go. Yeah, and then uh, on Instagram, my username is awftyy. I'm not as active on there. It's a much different, um, much different content. But you know, if they want to follow me, that's that's there too. And as far as what I'm looking forward to, um, yeah, Amazon Masterclass is there. I'm going to be expanding that. I'm definitely going to be more mindful and, you know, do, start getting on YouTube and producing content. And, uh, yeah, I know other than that, I think I'm just, I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, really getting, getting really into music and sharing that with, uh, with the world. And that's kind of, that's kind of my main focus going into 2020. So that's, that's, uh, that's where I'm headed. That's what I'm looking forward to. Countdown to 2020, man. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I think that's it, man. I really appreciate you having me on. This is a lot of fun. Definitely a pleasure. All right. This has been a sod. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>